coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California. I'm Karen. I'm Katie. I'm Anne. And this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. How's it going? Happy January. It's still January, right? Still, yep, yep. What are we? What are we talking about this week? Month? What? What day is (laughs) it? Both things are right. (laughs) All these things are right. Day. Everybody is hyper excited about our stash swap coming up. Yeah. Yeah. When you're hearing this, you can still come. That's on. If this podcast comes out Tuesday, uh, stash swap is Saturday and Sunday, so twenty seventh and twenty eighth of January. Yeah, if you want to donate stash or just come and uh, take shop stash. for free, um, both of those things are available to you. So thank you for reminding me to say that, Karen. Oh yeah, I planned that. Sure. <laughs> uh, what's everybody working on? I am making a hat for the new year of hats, which is the year is the year of bulky hats. Are you excited about that? I had people yeah. asking. So I'm glad. Um, and it is called, I am excited about it. They're bulky, yeah. but they're fast. Uh, this is called Wister. These are hats designed by and using Kelborn Woolen's yarn, uh, which is a delight to use and usually ships pretty quick. And I was really excited because they had a promotion going for their, um, like celebrate their 15 years in business. Oh, wow. And um, they gave out really fancy yarn totes so i was excited to get one of those just in time but i wasn't sure if i had done it in time because they're back east and i kept thinking all Mm. weekend from like the 29th forward that i should place my order because it was by the 31st yeah and Uh so i ordered at like 9 49 pacific time (laughs) and so i was like oh no are they going to use eastern time or are they going to use your local time from your order (laughs) And they sent me this very nice tote oh, with good. my twelve hanks of or my twelve skeins of yarn. Is it still Germantown? Yeah, it's but Germantown bunk- bulky. Nice. Mm. Um, had a bulky. Yeah, it's I knew it. Yeah. Um hundred and twenty eight yards to a hundred grams. Nice. It's like Cascade mm. one twenty eight. Yeah. Let's squish it. Yeah. It's still That's a great feeling, color, but it is squishy. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Nice deep forest green, yeah. dark green. Lovely. Ooh, that feels good. Cool. So that's what I'm making. First class is on Friday night, the 19th. So if you're listening, you missed it. But oh. sign up for February. <laughs> It'll be fun, too. Also bulky. And crochet hats, too. Yeah. You're pres- I, I mean, I'm compiling those out of what amuses me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fun. Yeah. Um, I'm Katie. working on a sock. I. It's been cold, and I have been wearing more socks. And I thought, I haven't knitted a pair of socks in years, so... Huh. I dove into my stash for some yarn, and here I am knitting a sock. That's I have turned, colors. I have turned the heel of sock number one. This yarn is something. It's yeah, dye something dye, stranded uh, dye works. I Gauge think. dye works. Gauge dye works. Did you give this to me? I did. Oh, okay. So when I saw you working in that, I'm like, oh, she's working on a stash gift. That's awesome. Went into Gip my yarn. stash to find some. I don't know something that looked fun in this bright rainbow with a. Uh, As a big chunk of the gray that you're supposed to use for like the heels. And yeah, and... I had started a some crocheted project with it, but then I thought it's made for socks. I'm gonna rip that out and make socks with it. So, yep. Um, yeah, I have a half a sock here. I'm using my little nine inch circulars, which I 
have started to really enjoy using for socks. Um, usually I'm a magic loop sock knitter and I'm, I'm not opposed to double pointed needles, but they go so freaking fast on these tiny little circulars. Like this, the knitting itself isn't, you know, any faster, but it's not having to switch needles every yeah. half around. True. That, um, I knit the whole, how do your hands feel? They feel fine. I knit the whole leg of the sock on Tuesday. Like I cast on and then drop in and everything. I had all the whole well, you're leg go- done. You're already going up the foot. Yeah, and I did the heel turn this afternoon, and yeah, so. I think the learning curve on that, or the comfort curve, mm-hmm. is is feeling comfortable with what to hold on Yeah, to how to hold me. it. And yeah. I switched to double-pointeds for the heel, I and I'll switch wondering. to them for the toe so. as well, but um, the knitting in the round for the foot and the leg is all. I can, I can, that hybrid is appealing. Yeah. Yeah, you leave half your stitches on your tiny little circular, you take the other half and knit your heel turn. And then you go back to your tiny little circular and yeah. I, I always feel it. like my hands are too big to hold the nine inch because I feel like my pinkies are out. And maybe because I, know, but I'm I, I might be and she's yeah, my pinky is like just these my first three fingers mm-hmm. are inside the sock. But I must press really hard on my with my pinky up against the cable because my pinky gets tired. Mm. And that's just, again, getting through yeah. the learning curve because there is something to just going around and around and mm-hmm. not going half and switching needles and half. Yeah. Or to the loop and yeah. try to shift it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It has a flow to it. I think that's the delightful thing about sock knitting in general. Is regardless of what your tool choice is, it gets a flow. It's this yes. tiny little happy architecture of yeah, stitches. It's part like and this yarn is knitting up really nicely. Um and I was thinking about sock knitting and how I haven't done it in so long, and I don't know why, because for a while, I was making lots and lots and lots of socks, but I don't have that many pairs in my sock drawer. Like, I pulled out a pair, it has a hole I need to darn, and I was like, I think it's time for me to knit new socks. And I don't know why I have why I stopped for so Leave long. Leave the darning for later. Yeah. It um, was not creatively appealing to me. I guess not. <laughs> but now I'm back. Nice. Um, I like knitting socks. Yeah. Someday I'll do that 52 socks in the year challenge. Yeah, I'm not making any promises, but I was thinking like a pair of socks a month. I'm like, why don't, don't do it. Yeah. Don't make any sort of plans. Just knit the sock and be happy. Yep. Follow what is creatively feeling. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like sock knitting needs to be the thing that you can pull to. That's this, like me, I love a plain vanilla sock. Yeah. Because I just like the yarn to be able to speak and do happy things with it. If it's, I've tried stranding on socks. Sometimes it's just. I know. I just enjoy the a nice, simple vanilla yeah. sock myself. I've seen some not vanilla by color, but vanilla in just stockinette. Design, yeah, yeah. I saw the cutest socks, and I think it was on like an Instagram, you know, discovery page. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a like blackish background because I think it had speckles of neon in the black, and then um, a speckled neon as the light color, and it was sort of like a galaxy, stars and moons. Uh-huh. That's the first mm-hmm. time in I can't even tell you how long that a stranded sock looked appealing. Right. Because I have a very like wide heel angle. Yeah. <laughs> Something like, you have to account for. Yeah, and it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, stranded socks always seem like a good idea, but I think if I were to make them, they would just be stranded on the leg probably mm-hmm. but i mean your foot still has to get through there yeah um i made a pair of lace socks once that i really had Ooh. fun doing um those are always so pretty yeah i don't know what happened to those socks i should try and find them anyway 
What are you working on, Karen? I am working on the class sample for R2, and it is coming around really quickly. <coughs> I'm on the last chart. I'm almost, I'm about a third done with the last chart. And nice. then there's just, it comes in neat. That's beautiful. gorgeous. I said we were, okay, so I bought it as a kit from Primrose Yarn, and I did en- end up getting a kit fr- of the yarn that it was intended for the pattern. Mm-hmm. Um which was a lot less, a lot less expensive than Primrose, <laughs> but Primrose feels really good. All the I have all these uh, gray and blue and some earthy tones, and then I had this pinky pastel thingy that were like, "What is that doing? <laughs> Looks great. How in the is that going to work?" And you know, it it's rocking because it's uh, it started it ha- the part that I started with the end I started with had kind of the blue crate. It was like a pastelly blue gray, white creamy thing. And it's against the gray, and the the color change that I d- one of the color changes has more, um, of, a, of the contrast yarn has more like beigey and pink, and this co- this creamy color pastel color is moving into a pink. So it it's kind of magic how it's just yeah. moving it. The, they're moving at the same time even though they're three different yarns. And um, that's that like slate gray at the top, and then also near the bottom really helps like mm-hmm. bring it together. Yep. And I will have, so after I'm done with the chart, you have the, the only true stranding is this one, one mm-hmm. stitch. Mm-hmm. The rest of this is mosaic. And I've, I, I've always been fascinated by a mosaic, except the appeal of most of the time when I see mosaic, it's in garter stitch. And that chunky texture just didn't appeal to me mm-hmm. with the slip stitches, but seeing it in, um, in stockinette is really, I'm like, Hey. It looks like regular stranding it with this big geogra- ge- geometric. geometric, thank you. That's the word. <laughs> Words. Um, and it's very comfortable because when you're slipping the stitches, you're working instead of on the wrong side row, when you're slipping stitches and you have to have the yarn to the front of you, mm-hmm. you're also purling. So the yarn's already in the front of you as opposed to in more i guess more traditional whether the type of mosaic i'm used to seeing it's in garter so the stitches that are on the public side are knit um and then the ones that are slipped are no no yeah the ones on the public side are i guess they're they look like pearls so you're knit you're working them as a knit but then you got to bring the yarn back and forth back and forth and this one doesn't have that that's probably why i made so much progress so quickly really pretty so yeah it is and it feels feel this it's very kind of like a blanket it's very steps mm-hmm. substantial yes. nice. mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that is the only thing in my hands tonight i would be impressed if you could knit two different projects at the same time mm-hmm. we're pretty se- good but i don't think I we're that good sewing project no, i'm not that good <clears throat> well what book are we reading this month karen we are reading what the river knows by isabel ibanez Oh, there is an accent, so yes. Ibanez. So not being a native Spanish speaker and a very, very elementary learning Spanish. I have a coworker whose last name is Yanez. It's a Y and an N. It's not Inez. Yanez. Yanez. I haven't heard that one. I've always had the Y is it, well, whatever. They know their name. Shall I read the blurb? (laughs) Okay. 
Bolivian Argentinian Inez Oliveira belongs to the glittering upper society of 19th century Buenos Aires. And like the rest of the world, the town is steeped in old world magic that's been largely left behind or forgotten. Inez has everything a girl might want, except for the one thing she yearns for the most, her globetrotting parents, who frequently leave her behind. When she receives word of their tragic deaths, Inez inherits their massive fortune and a mysterious guardian, an archaeologist in partnership with his Egyptian brother-in-law. Yearning for answers, Inez sails to Cairo, bringing her sketch pads and a golden ring her father sent to her for safekeeping before he died. But upon her arrival, the old world magic tethered to the ring pulls her down a path where she discovers that there's more to her parents' disappearance than what her guardian led her to, be to believe. With her guardian's infuriatingly handsome assistant thwarting her at every turn, Inez must rely on ancient magic to uncover the truth about her parents' disappearance or risk becoming a pawn in a larger game that will kill her. So the mummy meets death on the Nile in this lush, immersive historical fantasy filled with adventure, a rival's to lover's romance, and a shocking twist and turns. Whether I agree with that, we'll see. <laughs> oh, I think... There's parts there were to twists that. And turns. There were yeah. twists and turns, but parts of it, I don't. Okay, we'll get to it. We'll get well, to now, it. We'll get to when, it. Because Death on the Nile has an untrustworthy road, so I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I, so uh, let me pull up some questions from a book club, rotabook.org. Do you want to ask us the most important question? That what we are did you think? <laughs> um, I will go second. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Ooh, Key's got lots of words. Um, I like the concept of the book. I enjoyed the journey of the book for the most part. At times it was like, uh huh. <laughs> and what's next? A little mm -hmm. repetitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did not like the last chapters. Mm. I was unhappy with the choices mm -hmm. because the death at the end of Elvira is unnecessary mm -hmm. in my opinion as a standalone book maybe is because this is meant to be a, I think it's supposed to be a trilogy um, from what That'll I could be... gather from the internet we'll mm -hmm. see <laughs> well it's, yeah. it's it's tagged as book one and she it does is, have a release yeah. date or she is in development of the second book um, true because uh, I started following her on Instagram today mm. and um she posted today that the book cover's coming out sometime later in the month. Um, so in the scheme of this as a story, I didn't feel like that was a necessary. It felt emotionally manipulative. Mm. And I don't get the ending. Mm. Like, but maybe... Like, I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> maybe it'll get better in book two? We hope. I liked book one, but I just didn't feel like... Like I'm invested in this as mm -hmm. a storytelling yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I I I I wanna talk more about the ending. I re I was re listening to it for the sheer like illumination of what happened there. <laughs> is he as untrustworthy as he seems? Is this a different ruse? Yeah. Is she being manipulated still by her mother? I don't know. So that's my opinion. Generally fun read, but didn't like parts that is my feeling i it's only january right yeah and i'm pulling my i didn't finish this book card ha! because 
I got distracted by. Well, I got. What what should I but say? But you started the book. I'm like sixty percent through. Cool. Okay. And I, I really know how it ends. No, I don't, but I'm excited to know. <laughs> Sorry um, to spoil it for I'm you, I'm excited <laughs> to know how this book ends without having to finish reading it <laughs> because I I sort of lost track of time to get it done. And I was like, oh, I could, if I buckle down and listen to like two hours a day, I could get it done in time. And then I thought, why, why, why? I didn't enjoy the first half of the book that I read. Mm-hmm. I really was excited about the concept. I really enjoy yeah. learning about and, um, Story set in like ancient Egypt. I think that yep. that's fascinating. The Mummy, like we love it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Death on the Nile was a okay movie. Great book. Well, um, in spite of its uh, male star, like yeah, still enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I was excited to read this book, and it just I found all of the characters to be either not compelling or annoying, or in the first half of the book, like. There was just a lot of book for not a whole lot to happen. Well, that's yeah. the thing is like, why is it? Why was this such a long book? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you could have told me the first 50, 60 percent of this book in a couple of chapters. Like, yep. not that much happens. Mm-hmm. She leaves Argentina. She goes to Cairo. She meets her uncle. He says, no, sorry, you can't come. She sneaks on board a boat. And that's about the halfway point. I guess her ring gets stolen. She meets, you know, a couple different people. But like, that's 50 percent of the book. And it's not a small book. You know, it's not a huge book, but it's not tiny. No, it's a 17-hour audiobook. Yeah. If we gauge that on Grapes of Wrath, that is... Was that like 20... a half a Grapes of Wrath? It's No, it's it's closer to 75%. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yep. Which is pretty long. I Also, the narrator must have read pages. really slow, because I was listening at like 1.75 speed, and I could have gone to two. I went to two and a half, to, yeah. and it was still very easy to listen yeah. to. Like, I never went back to one, because I think I started at one and a half, and sometimes I'll like jump back and forth if it's like something exciting's happened, and I'll slow mm-hmm, it down. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that, so I don't, I didn't listen to how slow this reader must read, but. At, now that my brain is like tuned into one and a half is kind of my go-to speed. Yeah, that's I can't I start. listen at one and no, unless you start I there. I start but... at one point two five now. Yeah, it's usually where I start and then I bump it up. But this one I was at one point seven five. I think I I try not to Definitely go too fast yeah. <laughs> because when they read faster. It almost feels like there's something more happening. That right. was, I was, and having... I'm like, okay, so I don't want to feel like something. On the one hand, maybe it would have felt more exciting in the very beginning <laughs> if it was a little faster. Yeah. Sort of, um, <laughs> but it does mess with the flow it of does, the story. Yeah, um, I think one point two five. You know, like the like advertiser got in trouble for um, taking pauses out of commercial. Oh, no, they were taking pauses out of shows to add more advertising. Oh yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Um, that's sort of what 1.25 is. It takes some of the breaths out. Yeah. Um, it just speeds everything up yeah. a little bit. But or- not to a, like a anxiety causing level. 1.5 is pushing into that. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, when you're having an extremely stressful day around you at work and you put it to three. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like it's really intense. Really intense. Yes. No, I can't do that. It's really intense. <laughs> but I, wa- I, I was trying, I wanted to listen to the ending again. So I don't know who Mr. Porter is. Do you remember who Mr. Porter is? Well, what did you think of it, Karen? Yeah. It was your book. Sorry. Okay. That's a question I have been burning <laughs> okay, to okay, ask. Yeah. I don't even know who Mr. So, Porter is. <laughs> I I know he appears, but I can't remember who he's attached okay, so to. so like you, I thought, 
mummy. I love the mummy. Yeah. I'm like, okay, a little bit of rivals to romance. Like, that sounds I, fun. I, I sound, and um, and also the reviews the slow burn. That was nice. Yeah, I I don't want I didn't want them to like just jump. I like that they were antagonists Did for a while. Did it get spicy? Never, mm, okay. never. No, I was kind of hoping for that. That's why I'm so like no, this felt trying like... to figure out if she's being manipulated. Okay, um, at the ending, there were some good twists. I like that. There was the the beginning was a little slower, and I felt like okay, these people are kind of one-dimensional. I, I not Maybe not one-dimensional. They just felt like there wasn't a lot of fullness to them as characters. Mm. Maybe the lack of... That's why you didn't feel compelled in the beginning. I started to grow... I, I felt like when... Spoiler. Her mother, actually, who's not dead, shows up. I'm like, oh, things are starting to pick up and yeah, get interesting. No. Okay, so you're about <gasps> I was a, I was that. under the impression that they weren't dead, but I yeah, didn't okay, get I lost in the I desert. Always, I think the last... Open. I always suspected... Yeah. I always suspected that they were not really dead. That something that either they were kidnapped or they yeah. were taken, or for some reason, and that obviously there was something different. That Dad sent her a gift mm-hmm. that Mom did not know about. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and I was a little disappointed that the they talk about magic. It, it really wasn't. I they didn't really play up much of yeah, the where- magic care. Okay, so the magic I guess is she has this spirit awareness she doesn't see ghosts or anything but she feels called or compelled to other things that have magic she is like force sensitive yeah yeah (laughs) in in a way she she doesn't actually have magic she can't like levitate or move things or anything but she has an awareness and what she's think of it like she's like a water witch that when she gets closer to it she can sense something i thought that was an, an interesting way to interpret magic in the real world it was it was strange because it's like how does this system of magic work but it's not really explained and it's just mm-hmm. like the real world except that there's magic and not everybody can sense the magic or so like they didn't well at least at the point that I got to didn't explain how well what I think was well this was early on this mm-hmm. was right at the beginning she's like this is how we find magical objects in the world so right this is what it feels like to touch them and then she like reiterates that experience again and again mm-hmm. but like um like i i i don't know i like the idea that any because i sort of was getting that everyone who touches it and it has that sensitivity to the magic tied mm-hmm. to it um is connected together too because there's this moment where she because i left off on the re-listen um They've gotten to uh, the island. That's and where they are just stopped. on their first day of um, of like examining everything, and they're just about to find um, the opening to the actual tomb. Um, mm-hmm. And she touches a wall, and she she experiences a memory of her dad touching the same wall, or or mm-hmm. like a connection to that. So I got mm-hmm. thinking, like, oh, there's a lot of possibility here for the connectivity. But also, like, the fact that we wouldn't see that in our world now because this is, like, uh, 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So by now, all these things have been handled so much, we wouldn't right. have well, this experience. And that yeah. concept that magic is finite. Yeah. The more something, every time someone handles something, it loses some of that magic. Uh-huh. It's like it's like it deposits some of its magic into that person. Yeah. And thus... The, the the villain wanted to gather up as much magic as he magical items as he can to create ha, to have power but then he's consuming it well that's right? exactly the same premise as all the light we cannot see 
Have you guys read mm-hmm. or watched yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, haven't. Yeah. There's a magical stone. It's like a gem mm-hmm. um, that this Nazi is pursuing mm-hmm. in hopes of saving mm-hmm. himself from disease. Sure. Which is what our villain, Mr. Spencer, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. That he is trying to eat Cleopatra. <laughs> because grinding up her... Her mummy is going to have magical healing properties, which the English really did. Well, not just that. There are there are cultures that believe that grinding up the bones of an object that has um, certain pro- healing properties or whatever that you will take that upon, like true. Or by cons- there's many cultures that feel that if you consume that thing, even physically, yeah. you will take but upon love, that power. I love pointing to the fact that in the mid 19th century, when um, you know Egypt and Egyptian mm-hmm. um, Egyptology was all the rage with the Brits, mm-hmm. that they who were so evolved and mm. so um, so civilized that they were eating you know mum because they were sending them back to england and they were doing a few things they were burning them like they would peat moss and they were grinding them and consuming them as health elixirs. think about all the stories of people trying to find the fountain of youth mm-hmm. doesn't it mostly come from people from the western world true yeah true <laughs> you know so i do have a few book club questions bring them on okay so inez is a strong independent prota- protagonist who defies societal expectations for women in the late 1800s how does her determination and resilience inspire you if were there moments in the story where you found her character particularly relatable or empowering or annoying that's my addition. <laughs> okay, her naivete was strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she also, like, it through her willfulness, led her to bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe, that's why, I, I mean, came I, from I being like, in a very sheltered world. I mean, yeah. until that point, she had never left the walls of her home, mm-hmm. even to go into a, the local village or anything. Her parents, her grand, was it, she lived with her auntie? Or, yeah, he lived, or, she lived with her aunt. Her, her tia. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So he thoughts. Um, I didn't necessarily find her inspiring <laughs> as much as I did. Like, you're gonna bring this upon yourself. Yeah. Is. Yeah. And I understand. <laughs> like, you know, she's a sheltered young woman from this time period. That yeah. it didn't seem like. I don't know. Her character didn't seem as believable as I think the author wanted it to and i i didn't see her as like a strong you know female character as much as i did like a a uh an unwise youth you know like an unexperienced yeah uh yeah like he said she's making decisions that are going to befall her and it's gonna be her own fault because she has no worldly experience you can't except it seems like it's in her nature they did describe her childhood as always being yeah sure no i'm not i'm not saying that she she wouldn't have had that that drive but most of what is just uh, her character seemed to want was just like I gotta find out what happened to my parents, and like 
well, girl, there's probably a reason that you were never invited to come with them. And there was probably a reason why your yeah. uncle didn't want you to go. And there's probably a reason. But in her mind, she never considered any of those she as possibilities. She just acts. She just got on the boat. Yeah. And the next thing is she was just gonna... I mean, there's no story if you don't. Show but... up. And then you know she didn't have any plan to do of what to do once she showed up. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Like, that's maybe that's true. why we're having trouble with... Because we probably would have thought about these. Uh-huh. If, if we were living in Inez's yeah. circumstances, we might have thought about these things. Um, so perhaps we're encountering a character that just has such a different point of view. True. Mm-hmm. That we we can't connect with. <laughs> but we have a lot of world experience that she never had. True. You know? That's true, too. Yeah. So maybe we would have been exactly like her. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, that's, I mean, just to give her you the benefit what? of the doubt. Sure. Oh, how old was she? 19. 19. At 19... I might have acted like that. You know, just jumped in and said, why not? You don't know until you try. Just go. Just try it. Maybe. I mean, also, I used to get anxiety how did she, how did about she get what on, to do with I extra how much... time in Los Angeles. Like, yeah. I was going to see a play, I remember, and I was like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, what are we going to do if we get there early? I remember being <laughs> in Hollywood with James and we went to go see something at the Pantages and we were really young. And... Was it cats? No. no. No, I think it was wicked. Because I think mine was cats. <laughs> and we were parked in like a parking lot to like leave the car and we like did a lap and neither of us had had like the Hollywood experience, you know, go to Grauman's, <laughs> do like the whole thing. But we had like an hour to kill and I remember just sitting in the car because we didn't know what yeah, else to like, do. because like I didn't feel safe. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. So I don't, I th- I don't think I would have done what she did, to be honest. Hollywood. <laughs> I think I would have sat in my car for an hour. I mean, if it had been daylight. No, it was it was daytime. Yeah, my thing was daytime. It was like the play was at like I don't know. I think it was a matinee, and we went down there. We had lunch. We walked around. We did all the things, and then we're like, okay, I don't know where else to go, but like it's sketchy if you get off of you know the main street. Yeah. So we just sat in the parking lot for an hour. I guess my lived my early childhood lived experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Prepared you for more. I mean, having I didn't actually sleep on a street. Yeah. I mean I slept in our car on a street. Mm -hmm. You know, was so I wasn't as fearful. Maybe because also I as a young adult, not not much older than she was, I worked in Hollywood. But and I will say it it's kind of scary and fascinating at the same time to see all the people dressed up as like the Statue of Liberty mm-hmm. and superheroes and whatever and and to see the stars. But at the same time, would I feel that way if I was going to a city that I like if I, like now I would not feel as comfortable. Right. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, I don't think that that's how I would have approached that situation mm-hmm. and going to new places and it's mostly just larger cities can be scary, but I wouldn't spend yeah, my time I, sitting I in my car more, for an hour. Exactly. Like I have more... <laughs> more life experience to yeah. know how to navigate the challenges that could yes. either be challenges or well, unsafe or and she had additional challenges which she experienced on being a, a clearly a noob on yeah. a train <laughs> <laughs> and just traveling as a woman alone could you imagine you are sitting across from a man and he just <laughs> Tears the ring off of your finger. And it, so this is this, this so it is must sort have been too my, big for her finger. I'm like, keep imagining, like, how loose does it fit? This is sort of my point. And why like, is she wearing so, it? Like, brave enough to do all this. It's like, 
take it back from him. Yeah. Like, you just let a lot of things happen to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I wonder, when that was unfolding, like, is that the strength of, like, propriety in this time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's sort of Uh, what I gave it up to, was, like, because she, like, weighs the options in her mind. She's like, I could yell and scream and make a scene. I could do this. It's like, what? Why? She didn't even consider just trying to grab it from him. (laughs) Like, if that were me in this case, I don't think that I would hesitate to try no. and take it from him. But um, that kind of bugged me. But then I thought maybe she has been so conditioned that women do not reach out and grab. That's what men. I think Anne is saying yeah. is the, mm-hmm. the propriety, you know, overtook her willingness to, you know, well, there was for herself. Some light, uh, she, just, she just yelled at him, give that back. Yeah. I'm like, no, I would be yelling and diving. No, you're for hysterical. It. Be quiet, woman. Yes. You're like, okay. <laughs> There's some light impugning of the British. Um, yeah colonialism Mm -hmm. and so in a i mean even though she is clearly of a european descent in her uh argentinian yeah Yeah. um her argentine um roots she is still a person of color to him too Mm -hmm. so uh it was kind of fun listening to this the first time we watched the movie rrr have you guys watched Mm -hmm. that it's so good no okay watch it it's it's about the letter r r r r it's like it's bollywood but it's um like tailored to the western audience a little more than like hardcore bollywood Mm -hmm. uh but it's again it's it's colonial um india and um it's just showing because i started to have a hard time keeping the two things straight in my head (laughs) that like this book is in egypt that movie is in india (laughs) because it was british behaving very badly as they are want to do yeah what did um oh something came up in my memories we came across a chapel in italy that was san buenaventura and we were just like stumbled upon it and it came up in my um picture memories on google Mm -hmm. and i was showing my office mates and um somebody said oh i always wondered what san buenaventura meant um and i was like well it's not actually a saint it means this is a good venture Mm -hmm. like because this was named by the Spanish, not right. by the Italian. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the most colonial name you could give a place. Yeah. Exactly. This is good what we do. Yeah, we're having a good time. <laughs> this is good. It's blessed, even. <laughs> Aren't we great? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry for the side trip. <laughs> so I have a quick question. So next question. So, and I like this one. Egypt serves as a captivating backdrop for the story with its rich history, artifacts, and magic. I never really connected Egypt with magic, but I yeah. they're oh, kind of, yeah. but there is, it's very, yeah, very like much. mysticism. Yes. Yes. Like, very much Yes, very much. How did the author's vivid descriptions of Egypt enhance your reading experience? Were there specific scenes or locations that you found especially immersive? It did make me want to be able to go back in time and be a tourist in Egypt at this time yes. mm-hmm. frame because mm-hmm. yes. it did sound like exciting and adventurous. Whereas I think a lot of tourism now is not as adventurous They're as sanitized. it is. Yeah. You see the nice pretty parts of most of the places that you go. So it did really make me want to go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could go back in time. Yeah. I mean, I'd still like to go to Egypt yeah. nowadays, yes. Yes. but yes, that it sounded fun to like explore the markets and, you know, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really even when they were going when they're going on the boat and then they're going on the island and the and the the sand, the storm, the, well there was a sandstorm. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. a <laughs> like, yep. it was a storm. Yeah, yeah. it was a storm that it came, was roiling the water, but it was a sandstorm. Which 
I wondered if there was a little bit of magic going on with that too for some reason. I got a sense that that's an interesting that, read on it. That it's not necessarily something that's it that somehow there's a connection. The land was rejecting them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't belong. I might have rolled my eyes at one point <laughs> when she falls into the water and oh my god, there's a crocodile. Like Yeah. Is, is okay, like, that's are there story crocodile was fun. crocodiles everywhere? Well, like Every no, square there inch. Was it was, to it. It was, it was like, totally Princess Bride. Exactly. And here comes the shrieking eels. That's exactly what it felt like. I was like, she falls in the water. Oh crap! It's a crocodile. It's like well, okay. I mean, we sure. had that for the that was fun. Cover, for how beautiful the crocodiles are on the cover. It because it gave me the shrieking eels vibe. I yes. was like, well, I guess that's all the crocodiles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, let's shoot it. I'm like, she's still in the water. That's great. But well, yeah, that's she's... why he pulled her underwater and gave her breath of life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I actually had, I thought that was a fun, I mean, was it realistic? No. No. But yeah. sometimes the fun things are, the, are fun because, yeah, that would not be real. It was a MacGuffin. Yeah. Yep. Inez's passion for sketching and her love for art play, art, comma, play a significant role in the story. How does her artistic talent shape her character and influence her actions? How does her art reflect her emotions and experience throughout the novel? I don't know that it really expressed an emotional experience, but I do think it gave her like confidence in her knowledge. Like she could recreate the ring and that gave her um, currency with her uncle and wit um, her ability to be useful at the dig by drawing, and like all of her drawings are like, well, I guess she draws. There wit must at have some been point. a ton of torches in that tomb because there's not <laughs> a lot of light for drawing. Oh, okay, I just listened to that part. Okay, there was um an opening in the ceiling oh, that gave there her natural go. daylight for at least one of. The... Have you been in a room with a skylight? You don't get the same lighting all day long, and certainly not into the evening. <laughs> Fair enough. I was thinking about like this sort of character as a trope like the yeah. the woman who's an artist yeah because it really is one of the only ways you can like historically accurately give a woman some sort of agency because yeah. women were allowed to yes. do art yeah they yeah. weren't allowed to do a lot of things but they would learn to learn to paint and mm-hmm. to draw and like oh that's a nice hobby for you like i think of like amy and little women was an artist yeah. and like so it wasn't that she it wasn't believable that she would be you know a talented artist but i'm like okay well that makes sense that this is how she is going to have some sort of value to the story because otherwise she's just a spoiled rich kid who doesn't but you know what know how to do it to me it does not mesh that she would also nag and do needlework no because i feel like her someone of her uh stature in society would not have needed to learn to do that whereas a lot of people who you know weren't as well off that was a thing that you had to kind of learn how to do right Mm -hmm. so it you know it's not like they had to darn their socks to uh, keep them going through the winter it's all for fun yes so yeah art but i wouldn't say like the home arts necessarily right but she seemed to have a particular skill because i was thinking I guess they, it's awfully lucky for them that it, they got an artist stumbling into their camp and into mm-hmm. their midst who could catalog these things. And 
you know, it's like if they're if they were just going to steal them, why did they need them cataloged? But yet, because you know, from the beginning, I didn't believe. I mean, I guess her her uncle was it was important for him. I'm trying to think who was it that. And, well, she and, doesn't know who's untrustworthy. Can at you that point. can you give me a rundown of of who is like who is and isn't? Okay, so at this point, you're right. You're right about to find out I that her mom was. is alive. Okay, so I think like they if had we just got at the same place when I got. Yeah, her mom is going to appear if not the first night, the second night she appears. Okay, um, which she says something that is ringing in my head. She like is out late with wit. They go back to their respective tents. Her mother, like, stops her on the way or is waiting for her in her tent, one mm-hmm. of those. And um, and then they have this conversation and reunite. And her mother tells her that the uncle is the, is the thief and that she's trying to save everything from him to keep him from taking it to the market, mm-hmm. that, the, the marketplace at the gate. Okay. Um, which I don't know if you know at that point that the gate is this, like, secret uh, moving marketplace. Mm-hmm. Black market, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... She convinces our girl to shrink objects with that magic handkerchief. Okay. Yep. And yep. take them away. And she was she and her her new partner are going to save all the duplicates from the evil uncle. But you have to pretend that you still love your uncle. That's like one yeah. of the very specific instructions she's yeah. given. And Don't let him know that something's different. Yes. Yeah. Try to pretend that everything's all fine. Sure. Okay, so I never heard. Did they have a way to unshrink and restore oh, back to size? Gosh, that's a good point. They I mean, must. I, they must. They must. Why? And like, I mean, I understand. You guys, his mother is just as thoughtless about planning out. <laughs> <laughs> Which could I? I we'll figure I always, it out later. <laughs> I always got the sense that Inez and her father were the most yes. like-minded. So was Dad dead? We don't know that yet. We don't okay. know. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so she spends the next few weeks doing all of this sneaky shrinking and taking out, uh-huh. and um, she only, like, gets, they check the logs later, and they see that, like, oh, there was this one thing we logged, and she took. Um, meanwhile, Wit and Mom keep asking her about this papyrus. Okay. That's about alchemy of turning um, whatever into gold. Mm-hmm. We do not know, ever know why Wit wants it. Okay. We just know Wit is also looking for it. Okay. Uh, okay, so they get all their stuff, and um, it's Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mom is getting her, telling her, this is the night we escape. We're going to take a boat and escape. And so she meets her, brings her the last things. She sees the business partner off in the distance. It's the foppish American from oh, the got it. hotel got it, got lobby. Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, who tut tut duh is not a good guy. Right. And so... I was wondering when he was going to come back. Because they kept talking about that yeah. guy. So they trick her. They're like, oh no, I left something. I left my pain pills. I have to have them. Go find them in the sand. And she goes looking for them. And mom really did drop them. And then they escape in the night without her and ditch her. Got so it. she has to go back to camp and admit what she's done. Okay. <laughs> she's like, oh no, I've been tricked, you dumb child. Um, But... It's her, her de- mom. Okay, to her defense, yes. it's her mom who she's always, she's always craved this connection with her parents yeah. who, who she doesn't know anything about their life. I mean, a, a whole, she only sees them once or twice a year. Well, six months at a time. Six months at a t- time, but they don't Still. ever t- include, I mean, she's always trying to earn her mom's attention and affection. Yes. So I understand. Yes. She, 
she loves her dad, but here's a parent that she thought was dead right in front of her that she thinks she can save yeah. and maybe might love her. I, and I have to take I, her I with her that for that a change. totally tracks. Yeah, so that part, I thought, okay, that made sense. So then they go back to the dig site, admits uncle's mad. I don't remember why they go, or their dig is done or something. They go back to Cairo. And the cousin is waiting, and the letter she's been avoiding. Oh, that's what the happens. The mean cousin or the nice cousin? The nice cousin. The um, nice LBR. cousin who was like shows shadow. up. Okay. Yeah, that's what that's what the trigger for them to go back to Cairo is. She finally she, reads she, well, her aunt's letters. Yeah, her aunt sends her right. a letter, but she's put them off. And I put remember them off. That. She finally reads them and realizes, oh, her cousin's run away, and her brother and oh. her aunt is blaming her. It's like if she does, if she doesn't come back, if you don't come back with her, I will blame you forever, and I'll put a curse upon you. Yeah. So they go back to Cairo to see if Elvira has arrived. Okay. Uh, then there's a fancy dance, and they all go to the fancy dance. And <laughs> hey, we're so happy. Let's go. Let's go shopping. It's like a governor's ball kind of thing. Uh-huh. So no, they Myra don't go shopping it. because El- don't. so remember that Inez has been saying she's Elvira everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so Elvira comes. She's packed everything. And she's like, oh, great, I have ball gowns. And here's two that are similar. And you can use this one and I'll wear this one. And so they go to the dance similarly dressed. Mm -hmm. Elvira dances with Mr. Sterling, the monster who stole the ring. Yep. Um, Inez, of course, dances with Wit. Sure. And they have this lovely, like, we're just going to enjoy this night together. And I think at some point he has explained to her that he's a lord in England and he has to go home and, and marry he's engaged. his betrothed. Yeah. Oh, I did remember him talking about some woman in, in yeah. England. Okay. Yeah. But so he's got to leave. It's kind of something home. he has to, he has no choice. His family has decided this. And I get the sense that I always thought it, he keeps his father keeps writing. Did you get it? Like he's supposed to be getting. Yeah, Dad's the, looking for the papyrus too, isn't he? Yeah, Dad okay. is pressuring him. Okay, because the his, Lord, I mean, his dad basically said, "If look, I'm giving you so much time to find this. If you don't, you have to come back." I have yeah. a feeling their family needs that for money or for well, whatever. Also, this is a JFK situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the older brother was supposed to inherit the title. Mm-hmm. Wit is mm-hmm. a second son. Mm. older brother died now it's wit's job he does refer to himself as the spare yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. so um wit has to go live his brother's life now yeah which was what the kennedy's plan was it was supposed to be joe kennedy yeah. um so that all happens they have this wonderful dance night the uncle is like you're going back and you're never gonna you're, you can't stay here and you're never coming back and i control all your money until you're married so as opposed to all that agency he gave her when she was a distant thought, he takes that all away and rubs it in her face. Mm-hmm. And then Wit comes back to her and says, well, you can marry me okay. or run away together. Yeah. Okay. Was that part of it? Not really. Okay. Because I, I think that's important. Because I think it, it, there, there's there's an impl- implication there. So Elvira gets kidnapped. Okay. After because they the think dance. that she's Ines. Got it. That's why the name thing got and it, got the dress similarly. So the mother leaves a as note. As soon as the mom shows up, things pick up yeah. in the story. So mom leaves a note that says, "I love you so much, Ines. Never doubt my love," or something like that. Blah blah blah. Lies. Um, I had to sacrifice your cousin to save you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So I gave them your cousin. Jesus. Uh. And of course, Inez but, is heartbroken. But by the way, do you still have any more magical things? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Inez is heartbroken. They go hunting for the dot for the cousin. Is a monster. They find like this lair of bad guys. They yeah. hold them. The uncle appears. <laughs> a fight ensues. Where do you remember that the uncle has a tie that you can ring and hot tea comes out of? Nope. <laughs> what? That- <laughs> no i don't remember that 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 is what turns the tide of the fight is she like whips the bad guy in the face with the boiling hot water from the tie and and then they (laughs) defeat the bad guys and sort of i so wit actually doesn't ask her to marry him until after all of that settles okay and and that's where we leave which capitulo was it and by the way i do like that all of the chapters our capitulo, like the last one is capitulo torrente y ocho. My just because I like is, to say it. What I was wondering about that I didn't take the time to research, but like how laws work as far as like she's nineteen years old, right? So yeah. why does she need a uh, a guardian? Oh, great question. Because yeah. maybe it's different, but mm, when you're well, eighteen it- years old, you don't need a a legal guardian right but but a, she's a woman yeah that might have something to do with it and a trust can be written that the money is That's controlled true. until a certain whatever it might be an age or a landmark but and it's not as much landmark. the money as it is he feels like he could tell her yes where she's allowed to go yeah yeah he's her guardian but why is but he allowed to be adult? a guardian yeah. if she's an adult? <laughs> but again, up that's to a, a certain, question. up to a certain. Yeah. Okay, she is an adult, but she's an adult female. Yeah, that's so what that's I'm wondering. Like, I want to so, know. Yes, she will until she she ever gets married off. She will always need a, a chaperone, no matter what age she gets. I guess you know. I guess what year was this? Eighteen something something. It says near the beginning. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So. Uh, that all happened. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Uh, the page. I wrung out the necktie at, at Mr. Burton's face, scalding water covering his brow and cheeks and eyes. He fell back screaming, covering his face with his hands. Boiling water dropped to the ground, sizzling on the hot sand. I whipped the fabric again and more water flung in his direction, drenching his dark pants and shirt making him look like he peed. That's my addition. <laughs> Behind me, the sounds of fighting reached my ears. Fists smacking flesh and bone. Grunts and muffled cursing. I turned around in time to see Wit throw a punch at one of the men. The burly man approached Wit, his gun raised. Watch out, I cried. Wit dropped as the shot zipped past his head. His hand reached for the rifle and he flipped onto his back and fired at the burly man's stomach. Okay, so the part that I skipped, <laughs> speaking of gunshots, okay, so they... Oh, hey, they called her a bitch in this one. They <laughs> get bad words. They get to the lair, and they keep begging for Elvira, and they bring Elvira out, and they are like, tell us where your mother is, because the mother has double-crossed the foppish American Mr. Burton. Okay. And, um... That's the part. Yes. I want to keep summarizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to take over. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so, I'm thoroughly enjoying Anne's uh, uh, yeah, summary of the Yeah. <laughs> it is. Makes uh, me want to go back and finish it. No, I'm happy nah, with Anne nah. telling me the ending. <laughs> so they bring Elvira out. 
what are the what other artifacts does your mother have? That's what yeah. I want all the artifacts me. your mother stole. Yeah. Uh, where is she? Yeah. Like like Inez is gonna know because um, mom has ditched everyone. Yeah. So she's also ditched the guy that everybody thought she was having an affair with. Her um her her partner in crime because she's a crook. Well, I I have this teeny tiny little ounce of sympathy for Inez's mother. She married young, so she was also like forced into marriage as her mm-hmm. next chapter. She goes across the world and leaves her child behind. Whether she wants to or not, we do not have that insight. And then she's ignored by her husband and her brother and all the men around her. It does mm. seem like, from what I could glean at the beginning, she did not enjoy being there. Yes. So maybe it was against her will that she had to spend so much time away from her child. So she is living this life she doesn't want to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this scheme is her exit. Yeah. So, I mean, she's not a good person. But, <laughs> but I have, like, a little, like, ounce of sympathetic understanding. Mm-hmm. Sure so uh all right elvira's there they start pointing the gun at elvira's head and inez is like no 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 take me take me i whatever and without any chance to preserve elvira as a bargaining chip he just shoots her that in the head make any sense. and her face is unrecognizable so it's gruesome mm-hmm. and she's dead that was unnecessary but yeah why would that part that? made me mad because this is like, this is, I mean, it's not a 1940s, it's an 1840s caper, but it's a caper. Yeah. Like, everyone could have lived. Yeah, that seems like, like a real big, like, shoe to drop for them to... I think the bit. author does not want to bring her into the next book. Inez has enough loss. Also, help me... She was a vehicle to get Inez to the place that the author needed her to be at the warehouse to blah, blah, to bring this to this situation well, it about it's new problems for her to, to carry forward mm-hmm. because they have to bury Elvira in Egypt but ultimately she's gonna need to take need to take her home to Argentina and face her aunt and and her other cousin Jesus uh yeah like why did we yeah. do that like it just that seems changed very strange. the tone it did I don't feel like the the, it was not really not unnecessary. From what I could get, the from stakes this, are already high enough. From what mm-hmm. I could like, get, I the vibe like of this of this book, it doesn't seem like they earned that degree of like a major thing to yeah. happen. Because it did seem like it was fun a, caper most of the time. Yeah, it was a punch in the face, like a, a drastic tone shift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that bummed me out a lot. At some point, too, I have skipped over something where. She finds a letter from her father. Do you mm, want to talk yeah. about the letter from the father? Yeah, let's see if I can find it. Um, and that gives us some insight into... Like, Keep talking while I try to find it. Well, it gives us some insight into like, the what might have happened to dad and her mother has been no good for some time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and mm-hmm. her mother really... So like the re-listen I was hoping was going to... I was hoping it was going to illuminate like what happens in the mm. final... Yeah, prologue or epilogue um and like see if i could follow the train of like where were we duped as the readers Uh Mm -hmm. and so you can see that mom was planning this early on because she 
absent from the scene, she's able to manipulate Inez's understanding of her uncle or, or like lens of her uncle uh-huh. because she finds the journal entry that's like, he beat me. Yeah. It was so hard to face him. He's yeah. so violent and which angry. Was, which was planted. Yeah. 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 Her mother planted yeah. that in the, because she knew that Inez would find it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then like the state of their room. Uh-huh. Like, I should have caught that right away. Like, father's things were starting to be packed. Mother's luggage was already partially packed. Like, they were in a state of leaving, even though it wasn't time to leave. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm talking... I think Tia Ricardo is the one who told it about how mother was unhappy. She got bored. She spent more and more time in Egypt and less at, in Cairo and less at the dig. She took up a lover and the father was distracted and he didn't... It wasn't that he didn't care. He just did she go back in the room and go through their things more carefully? Maybe I think she did. Um, uh, and screamed and screamed. Oh yeah, this is the description of Elvira. Yeah, I'm not going to go over that. Um, moving on. I love that I name, s- by the way, Elvira. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. I love the Oak Ridge Boy song. I love Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> I love the Hispanic pronunciation of Elvira. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I already loved your name. <laughs> and now I hear it this way. I love it. So the uncle saw the, um, it says, lowered his eyes. During this last season, your father and I had to come back to Cairo unexpectedly. While I was on the way to a meeting with Maspero, I saw your mother with a group of men who I knew to be curators for the company in caps. Oh, yeah. Those are the people um, who Thanks to wit sleuthing. Mm, I tried to warn her, but she refused to listen. I think that was when your father suspected that she was having an affair. Your father started acting strange, hiding things from me, not trusting me because she had maybe turned. Because he didn't want to believe that that Tio Ricardo was, no, that his wife was, he was not faithful to him. Mm-hmm. Um when he fa- when he uh, she asks when he found when he might have found Cleopatra's tomb did he mail something for me from Philae? I'm not have Philae, P H I L Philae. Tio Ricardo nodded. Yes, I think so. We had a lot of tourists coming and going on the island. He would have had the opportunity. Um, I campaigned hard for Cayo to forgive your mother for the affair. I think that his fa- her father's name must have been Cayo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she talks about oh that's why he sent the ring oh, we argued constantly to the point where he became paranoid believing I was involved with her schemes um, and that's when he sent the ring so he talks about um, he might so I he might be alive I insisted I turned away from him wanting to hold on to hope that my father still lived it was foolish it was almost impossible but it could be true tell me the rest of it to you when your parents didn't come back for weeks, when my letters were unanswered, I left Philly and came back he- here. Tears gathered at the corners of his eyes. Inez, I searched everywhere for them, but they disappeared. No one knew where your parents were. I feared the company might have murdered them both. After weeks of searching, I had to come up with a plausible story for their absence. Which is when he wrote to her. Um, so that's... Does that answer? Oh, here. Uh, then there's a telegram about wit, but... Um, I think anyway, I get the, the yeah, gist of it. Yeah. So the letter says, um, like, I don't trust anybody, I think, or something like that. But his plea at the end of the letter is, Inez, never stop looking for me. For, yeah. yeah. Okay, so 
Karen is looking at that block. Okay, so everything wraps up. Elvira's dead. Okay. They're back in Cairo. Okay, Tio Ricardo, like, fought, 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 and he was hospitalized after the, the battle. Back, okay. Mr. Buford, what was his name? <laughs> Mr. Buford? Burton. 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 I don't remember Mr. Burton. Buford. I don't yeah, remember I Mr. Burton either. He dead. It is. He is dead. Okay. Burton. Yeah. Yes, Burton is dead. Um, when does he show up? I don't even know who that he's is. He's the foppish American. Okay, got it. He didn't have former, a name when I... Former partner in crime. Got it. Um, he gets kidnapper of Elvira. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... Wit has asked, she's distraught. She doesn't know what's facing her back in Argentina. She doesn't want to leave. Her father's letter says, never stop um, looking for me. And uh, Wit's like, well, why don't you marry me? Okay. And then, yeah. And then this is where I'm like, I'm already upset about it. Why did you kill this character? And then the epilogue Uh is. Mr. Porter, who I don't know who he is. Porto, he's good. We're going to see. I think he is a but character. But was he mentioned in here? I don't think so. <laughs> so, so there is yeah. a section that is okay. a, that is wit talking. Yeah. There was one earlier the, on, too, I remember. Yeah. The telegram had been waiting for me when we returned to Shepherd's. It was not from whom I expected. She had never written to me before, not even once. I didn't expect her to cut me out of her life, but she had, thoroughly. The devil damn me. I sat in a trance on the balcony of my narrow hotel room, fixating on the busy street below, but not really seeing it. The noise rose up familiar but dim, my mind already hazy from drink. Whiskey, I thought. I squinted at the bottle, the label swimming across my vision. Oh, right. Whiskey. Hello, old friend. Um, I uh, talked about fire going down the throat and hell going back up, but it, I could still see Inez's face fared far too clearly in my mind. I could... St- okay, well... Yeah. Might have been a mistake to kiss her, um, but it my the blank sheet ran out ran the blank sheet of paper at my elbow stared up at me. It was stark and impatient. Um, I forget what had happened. I guess I'm not sure what what that was. I stuffed the note in my envelope and scrawled my brother's name, flinging the pen away. The note not came five minutes later, and more booze was in him. Oh yeah, he's he he called the he's mailing something back home. He said he's mailing. Oh, scrawled his brother's name. I'm not sure what that so is. So who? What? Who's Mr. Porter? Um. Okay. So she talks talks about um. Oh, so she's in her room and and Wit comes and he's been drunk. He's been drinking all night and he's and she even says you've been drinking. He let out a bark of laughter. It didn't even sound remotely friendly. You're absolutely brilliant this morning, Oliveira. Um, we don't uh, know who Mr. Porter is. We're we not going to find it there. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> but wait, go go back to that. Who never wrote him before? Who wrote the telegram? It doesn't say. And okay, I think okay. it's. I think it's Inez's mom. No. Okay. No, Maybe. that's not what you were thinking. <laughs> I, I was. I, it could be. I was okay. Th- okay, because. I was thinking. It, I always thought. I thought he, the girl he's betrothed to. Is fed up with waiting. Maybe. And he's cut out of that. So here are the women in Wit's life. Because he's saying the devil damn me. It's someone. He has some obligation to caring for his sister. That gets like lightly mentioned. Uh But when mom appears and is chatting with her in her tent and they have their reunion, the next morning, Whitford says, 
who was in your tent with you. Mm-hmm. And in the, t- the that initial meeting, mom says, quiet down. Whitford is a, or Wit is a light sleeper. Mm. Why you know that? Why do you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's up with that, Mrs. Oliveira? <laughs> Why do you know that? So, they're both searching for the same treasure. They're for both searching for this papyrus reason. with the alchemy on it. Okay. Um, she knows that he's a light sleeper. She's suspected of having an affair. She is young because she is probably late 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know Wit's age. He's probably he's late in his mid-20s. 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So he's no, right see, in between. I got the, I got the sense that he ages. was just a little bit older than than um Ines. I thought he, he was had like been 21 in the or service. 22. He was he had been in uh Egypt for a few years it seemed like. So I would put him in Maybe his mid-20s. 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 Yeah. mid-20s. Yeah. Hard to say. Uh yeah. So mm. okay. So the last scene in the epilogue is this guy on a boat floating away from Egypt. Mm-hmm. Telegram clenched in his hand. And the telegram, and it's Mr. Porter. Porter looked I out onto the med. who he is. <laughs> the telegram clenched in his hand. Inez. Oh, yeah. You say it, Karen. You say it. This the, is your book. <laughs> the paper was cre- creased from frequent reading, but still he held onto it as if it were a lifeline. He supposed it was. His fellow passengers were crowding the deck, every one of them mm. eager for the first sight of Alexandria's port. Mm. He read the short message for the hundredth time. Inez fell for it. So I'm, I just Googled it. Reddit has to say, um, uh, what the river knows ending? Question mark. Um, I'm hoping it's okay to blah, blah, blah. What did I just read in the epilogue? <laughs> um, That's all I've been thinking for a week. <laughs> um, it says, is Porter Wit's brother? Are we meant to think that Wit sent that telegram? I'm so confused. This person said, my yes, jaw we- dropped. I'm pretty sure that Porter is Wit's brother and they are slash were scheming. And Wit tricked her into falling for him, mm-hmm. but also fell in love in the process. Blah, 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 well, that's blah. what I'm thinking, because I was trying to listen to Wit's parts so carefully of like, how does he reflect on interactions with Inez? Like, she's an inconvenience. Uh-huh. He's yeah, 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 yeah. He's legitimately interested in her. From his point of view. Yeah, it's not like... Mm. It says it had been an abysmal crossing, but it didn't matter anymore. Wit had kept his word. And now it was time to collect. What? <laughs> collect. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I am invested in the... But, may- okay, so stories. maybe he got the scroll. Maybe the scroll that he was fi- looking for, maybe he finally found the scroll. Because there was one point... I think Porter might be his dad. Because his dad said... Nah, his dad cause, is... Because his, his dad said he was going to come in to collect him. Or no, sending someone to leaving. collect him. This person's leaving, Alexander. Would you like to hear another theory that yes. I found? Yes. Okay. yes, yes. Uh, here's my theory. Remember, Wit got a letter from his betrothed in England. Quote, she had never written to me before, not even once. I she- didn't expect her to cut me out of her life, but she had. Wit is then panicking and wonders, what if my plan didn't work? I think that Wit has, a- has been married off since he was 10 because his sister is sick. Why else does he think of her so often and no one else in his family? His family needs the money for his sister. Yep. Since this lady has now dumped Wit, probably for ghosting her, he's now panicking and needs money. He doesn't want to leave Inez. He can solve all his problems by marrying her. I think that Porter is his brother. 
I think that Wit perhaps has lied to everybody a little bit. He also says to the hotel staff that he had been sending many letters home over the past few days. Wit has lied to Porter to potentially get out of telling him and his family the truth about being dumped. Like, hey, I know this British girl back home has some cash, but now I have access to somebody with even more money. I bet I could trick her for our benefit. Um, meanwhile, Wit really does love Inez and she is bound to ask how it is possible that they marry. He will tell her everything. Hard for liars to come clean. That all seems very tropish. So yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested to find out what happens next. Yeah. So over, it was a slow beginning, and there are times where I thought it was kind of fluffy, but maybe that was more in the very beginning. Once things picked up, I found it very entertaining. So you're right at the cusp of everything sucking you in yeah i guess <laughs> i mean, <laughs> I mean point, again, i'm point. invested yeah but i don't know fair enough if i can read um <laughs> what is that stupid books for kevin and i are reading fourth wing and iron fist which we are slowly laboring through yeah. then i can show up for anyone <laughs> well i feel like I didn't expect this to be more than just light entertainment. Yeah. And it was that. And yeah. It was, and for, uh, on those grounds, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I had a good time. I didn't expect it to make me cry or for me to... I mean, I didn't ha- expect to fall deep in love with any of the characters. I was my, I wasn't entertained by them. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, that's what The Mummy is, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never read The Mummy. I've only seen... The well, movie, yeah. So I have only seen. The I mean, movie the also. most recent. I mean, if you read the book, you don't get to look at Brendan Fraser. Wait, so. the most recent version? You mean the one with Tom Cruise or no. something like that? Oh. No, the Brendan Fraser one. They tried to redo one. the Mummy, you know. Oh, in recent history, no, <laughs> no. To me, the last most enjoyable one was Brendan Fraser. So. Yeah, duh. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If you read it, you don't get to look at Brendan Fraser from yeah, the '90s, and yeah. that's. Or maybe it was 2000, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a movie that has been done over and over and over again since silent film, you know. Yeah, the concept. Um, anyway. Anyway. Brendan Fraser from the 90s is a good time. Mm-hmm. What His sons else? are pretty handsome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, what else did you guys read? I didn't read anything else this um, month. I had a very light reading this month. <laughs> okay. Um, but what I did read, I would recommend to anyone. Um, they were three kind of like novellas. Mm-hmm. From, they were free on um, on Audible. This series is called Winter Nights by Liz Maverick, and they were three um, like wintry romances. Mm. There, it's um, all young twenty-something Jewish people, so it's all centered around Hanukkah. So that was kind of refreshing. Um, and there are. Like four unattached. There, it, it's a group that starts with like five friends, and then they become a group of six because one of the because of the first story. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. And anyway, there's still one unattached friend in this group, so I'm hoping that next winter there will be a fourth edition because it seems like each of these have been put out one one a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm invested in in next year's uh, story, and that's about it. 
Yeah. Cool. I, I, More than I've, me. I've kind of been um, doing that, like, I don't have to finish this if I'm not enjoying yes. it. Yes. I read a half a book this yeah. one, so I understand. <laughs> Karen, what'd you read? So, um, I read a book by Tanareve Du called Ghost Summer, and that was very enjoyable. It's um, speculative fiction, a little bit of horror, but not too scary, I think. Not like the reformatory. I read the reformatory. That was that was really powerful, and I liked it so much. That's why I read Ghost Sum- Ghost Summer. I have a feeling she's one who you got to read everything from. I haven't yeah, read any yeah, of hers yet, yeah, but she's still yeah, acclaimed, yeah. and she's really having her moment in the spotlight right now. I felt like starting up Horror Store again by <laughs> Grady Hendrix. In fact, I ordered the book so I could like thumb the book through is it. Really it's just really entertaining. Um, I think he is very fun horror, like. <laughs> Like, I always was thinking of giving Horror Store to Mirabella, who's a big Five Nights at Freddy's Five Nights at Freddy's fan. <laughs> so, I, um, did I talk about the last one last time? Uh, I don't know. It was remember. a, it wasn't an, an, a book that, it was one of those freebie auto, audio books mm. um, from Audible. And it was like, you know what, I think I want to hold on to this one and get that. It is really good. Uh, when Zoe, uh, Zoo, it's Zoo, not Zoe agrees to take part in a new reality TV show. Hold on. Oh, I remember you talking about this. <laughs> anyway, it was good. The child's yeah. name is Zoo. It is Zoo. It is Zoo. <laughs> so that was really, really good. Um, I'm reading Everfair. And it had by Nissi Shaw. And the reason why I'm reading, I started to read by Nissi Shaw is because I, ha- I got a, a t-shirt with some, all of my favorite authors, but I hadn't read anything. For, and she's, her name is on there, but I had not read for you can't wear the shirt until you read a book. Legit. So now she was the only one like <laughs> had Olivia. No, no, not Olivia. Heads Octavia, mm-hmm. um, N.K. K. Jemison, Tannery. So you're like uh, on uh, first name basis. <laughs> well, it, it, which the T-shirt has their first names of these five different nice. authors, but Nissi, I, I had not um, done, and she does speculative fiction, not horror or, or anything scary. Um, her ginormous. Her book, it's not really that big, but she's doing, it's called Everfair. And basically she's trying to, it's speculative fiction in that if if the Belgian Congo area had not been taken over and colonized by the Belgians. And it's kind of set with some steampunk technology. So I think of like that, the extra technology, you know, that really amazing technology from Wakanda Mm -hmm. kind of idea. Um, But she basically is like, what if, all of this history, 500, you know, of years of, of occupation were different. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the technology. And so she, there's a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of people are like, she covers a lot. And there's so many characters and so many people. I can't keep track of all the people, but she is primarily a short story. That's a author. dumb reason to criticize an author. <laughs> <laughs> well, every book, everything that I read was like, this is three stars, five stars for content but less stars because i can't keep track of all the people that's your problem but that's a problem but every (laughs) single one was like this was a huge undertaking and kudos for this ambitious undertaking and there's a sequel that's coming that's that that is a prequel that is a prequel right now not a prequel but is in pre-order right now Do those readers give tolstoy three stars for the same reason probably would yeah probably would (laughs) because like zadie smith also huge world builder mm-hmm. lots of characters and you that, make a list and, and you invest yourself in yeah. that book it is a whole world building story and in, almost, a very, in just a, in less than like 
it's not like it's not like tomes and tomes like a dictionary mm-hmm. i always appreciate when they put the list of the people in the book yes. or the map i <laughs> like, do thank you. That, there's that's a map in this a good one solution but i wish they had yeah. them Give me but a I do look. wish they Give had me the a... table of contents. But I did... This book was not... Com- the book we just read. Yeah. Not complicated enough to need that. Yeah. That is why it's so hurting my brain of who is Mr. Porter. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to look at the book. So Everfair by Nissy Shawl is the one. And I'm actually enjoying it. I don't mind all the different characters because I know that she is comes from the world of short stories. So I take each one of these character stories as their own short, short story that all of them together build this history of what this <clears throat> with this world not having been occupied by western western countries would have looked like i wonder if uh, lavar burton has probably read some of her stories i'll have to mm-hmm. look in his podcast mm. he loves speculative fiction like that uh yeah cool so what did i we... did i talk about mumbai crime yes that i do remember okay yeah. never mind that's your obsession it is like okay so but it is like stories it is like listening to audible stories Mm -hmm. but in a podcast form so i keep thinking about the coroner doing the autopsies in her kitchen (laughs) (laughs) hey she's got a she's and she rents the room above (laughs) she's a a landlady and a a coroner and she makes really good food (laughs) in the same kitchen probably in a different section Anyway, what are we reading? Um, I picked a book that I picked up at Tambor one day. Um, it's called "What You Are Looking For Is in the Library" by Michiko Aoyama. Um, it is I recommended. Okay, good. Yes. Um, I read "Before the Coffee Gets Cold," which I absolutely loved, and this is oh, a yeah. similar. It says for fans of that, it's a translated Japanese novel. Um. So the blurb says, what are you looking for? This is the famous question routinely asked by Tokyo's most enigmatic librarian, Sayuri Komachi. Like most librarians, Komachi has read every book lining her shelves, but she has also the unique ability to read the souls of her library guests. For anyone who walks through her door, Komachi can sense exactly what they're looking for in life and provide just the book recommendation they never knew they needed to help them find it. Each visitor comes to her library from a different juncture in their careers and dreams, from the restless sales attendant who feels stuck at her job to the struggling working mother who longs to be a magazine editor. The conversation that they have with Sayori Komachi and the surprise book she lends each of them will have life-altering consequences. With heartwarming charm and wisdom... What you are looking for is in the library is a, how do you say that word? Payan? P-A-E-A-N? I don't know what that word means. Um, It is a payan. I'm going to copy that and Google it. To the magic of libraries, this friendship and community. Perfect for anyone who has found themselves in, oh, what is it? Let me turn my volume on. Okay. P-N. What does it mean? A song of praise or triumph. Okay. With heartwarming charm and wisdom, what you're looking for in the library is a song of charm and what was it? <laughs> wisdom? Praise. Praise and something. A song of praise and triumph. Got it. <laughs> to the magic of libraries, friendship and community. Perfect for anyone who has ever found themselves in an impasse in their life and in need of a little inspiration. Oh, that sounds great. It sounded lovely. Um, so that would be our book for next month. I think it's a seven hour audiobook. 
It's 304 pages, so it's pretty reasonable, I yeah. think. Did I tell you guys about my most favorite um, souvenir? Uh, no. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I need you to remember, because it's tied to now a crazy idea. Okay. Okay. So we were in Northern California for New Year's weekend, and um, one of the days we went into San Francisco, and I was like, well, I want to go to the, San Fr- like the Central San Francisco Library. It looks like a cool building. It was okay. But I got... A San Francisco Public Library card. Ooh, Ooh that's nice. Cool. Now I want to get one. That's from... an incredible souvenir. I, isn't it cool? <laughs> <laughs> so I now, because we travel a lot throughout the state, I think I want to get a library card from every county. That would be cool. Uh, some will probably say no, cool. but a lot of them like Los Angeles. Um, and now I know San Francisco because the question they asked mm-hmm. me was, um, are you a California resident? Why, yes. yes and I so... Am. Voila! I have a Sunnydale library gift card or a, a library, library card, card because when cool. I googled like uh, free library cards you can get if you're not a you know resident of the area, I don't know where Sunnydale is, but they were like, "Here's a library I card," and more. I get <laughs> access to books from uh, whatever app it is. So thank I, you, Sunnydale I Library. Was annoyed with myself because I we did this on Sunday evening, so we had passed by a Solano County library, which we were staying in that county. Um, and so I, I missed the opportunity for Solano County, mm. uh, but we're going to Dixon for a wedding in June. And that is, oh, I'm sorry. I missed a Sonoma County library. That is where we're staying. Solano County is where that very cool librarian, Michael, M-Y-C-H-A-L. Did you hear him on the radio? Oh, well, I follow his Instagram. No, um, he was interviewed by Here and Now I on, didn't K- on hear PBS. That. Yeah, it was but so I good. knew that that was coming. I'm yes. excited. His? his name is Michael M Y C H L A L. Yeah, sorry. Um, he's very cute, adorable librarian. Who talks oh, about- he, unlike TikTok, yeah. okay, yeah. yes, I know who yeah. that is with the fro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I love That's that he's having his moment in the sun. But I am laughing because there was something else. The guy who's reading a hundred books because he admitted he was like functionally illiterate, and he is bravely sharing that experience uh-huh. with people. Um. Because I think there are probably a lot of functionally illiterate people mm-hmm. for many different reasons. Um, like, he was a news story, too. And I'm like, is there someone just scrolling TikTok in these newsrooms? Yo, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And they're like, this sounds like news. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Anyway. Definitely. Uh, so, Solano County is where Dixon, California is. So, I want to go into his library and get I the library card. I, I don't think I'll be, like, you know, fangirling him. But I want a Solano County. That would be County weird. <laughs> yeah. I want a Solano County library card. Okay, well, um, if you are listening to this when it first comes out, please join us for the Stash Swap. We would love to see you. Yes, please take the um, If you want to donate stuff, you have to come by this week and drop it off or just come and quote unquote shop um, for Stash on Saturday or Sunday. And I think that's probably about it. So I guess we'll oh, talk yeah. to you guys later. Bye. Bye.